Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Hey there, and welcome back. Today's episode is all about nighttime eating. We're going to talk about some powerful strategies to stop eating at night because this is something that I see very frequently in my practice, and I know that women struggle with nighttime eating on an ongoing basis. So for many women, when they come in to see me, they'll say, I'm doing well all day, I'm eating the right foods, I'm feeling in control, feeling like I'm on track, but then it all falls apart at night. So if you can relate to this, today's episode is for you. I'm gonna talk a little bit about what nighttime eating looks like, What are some of the causes of it? What are the reasons that someone may eat at night? And then we're gonna talk about a few powerful strategies that you can start implementing. These are very simple, very doable things that you can do in your own home every single day to start getting away from nighttime eating, to start improving how you feel at night so that you don't go to food, you don't seek out food as a source of relief or having to deal with sugar cravings or cravings for crunchy, salty foods right when you're about to go to sleep. So this is a very popular, very common concern for a lot of women, especially if you have poor blood sugar control or if you have insulin resistance, as in the case of PCOS, you're more prone to nighttime eating. You're more likely to gravitate toward food at night. And there are a few different reasons for this. Some of them are more on the emotional, kind of mental side, and a lot of them are more physiological. And you can do a lot about it. There are many different strategies that you can try to start reducing the frequency of nighttime eating or just try to change the pattern that you have after dinner or right when you're about to go to sleep. Okay, so let's dive into talking about nighttime eating. One of the things that I always tell clients is that we always eat for a reason. It's not always the right reason necessarily, but it's really crucial to understand our body and our mind and really figure out why we eat. What is the reason that we eat, especially when it comes to nighttime eating? One of the most common scenarios that women who come to see me describe is that Nighttime is the toughest time of their day. They're really doing well all day long. They feel in control, but then it kind of falls apart at night. And that comes along with a lot of guilt, shame, and sometimes just an overall feeling of frustration about it, about the fact that we can't really control ourselves or that we're not able to stick with our plan at night when we're home. And the reason that this is important and I wanted to talk about it is that The nighttime eating pattern is one that often feeds into more unhealthy behaviors and even more health issues. So on the mental level, on on a psychological level, it just creates more negative self-talk. When I eat at night, it often leads to feelings of failure, feelings of shame, feeling of lack of control less confidence in my ability to stick with my own word. And that ultimately makes me more likely to just quit altogether because I kind of lose the belief that I can do something. I lose the belief in myself and in my abilities to accomplish my goals. 
So hopefully this makes sense and you may very well be able to relate to this if nighttime eating and that feeling of being out of control, feeling shame about our behavior around food or just feeling like this is my pattern, this is what I do, there's nothing I can do to resolve it, it's just the way I am. So that feeling of just accepting that you're not good enough or that you're not worthy enough to work through it or to really overcome that battle is a difficult one. That's a very heavy emotion to live with. And many women do live with that and feel that way. So I see that as a problem because oftentimes if I feel out of control, if I feel like I'm not good at, at, at maybe losing weight or eating healthier or controlling nighttime eating, that's going to just perpetuate my overall feeling that I'm incapable I'm not able to accomplish something that I really, really want, which let's say, for example, it's weight loss or just controlling cravings or binging. So it says a lot about me. And now I start believing these things about me being incapable, being unworthy, being unable to really meet my goals and keep my own word. And those are very heavy emotions, as I said. And you want to make sure that you're not starting to believe these things because they're not true. There's a lot that you can do to stop the pattern of thinking because that negative thinking and negative self-talk is going to spill into other areas of your life. If you were doing well before during the day, now you're going to start not caring about what happens during the day because what difference does it make? At night, I blow it anyway, right? So you want to make sure that you're not falling into a negative pattern as far as your thinking and what you believe about yourself because that's really what sets the stage for the right mindset, right? So if you have poor poor self-esteem or if you don't think that you're capable of doing something, that's not the right mindset for success. That's not what people who lose weight and keep it off are thinking, okay? That's actually the exact opposite of what someone who actually accomplishes their goals is telling themselves. So on an emotional level, on a psychological level, as far as what we feel and what we think, nighttime eating can really facilitate a negative mindset around food in general and your ability to stick with a plan. So over time, you're going to feel more burnt out because if you can't change a certain habit and you keep falling into a trap that you know is not serving you, you're going to feel less capable, you're going to feel less confident, and you're going to lose the ability to keep going because what's the point? If I blow it at night every day, why would I even bother to keep everything on track during the day? There's no point in that, and it's just taking more effort and more time, and I'm not even seeing the kind of results that I'm looking for. So working on nighttime eating is very important because it's going to help shatter these false beliefs. These are things that we tell ourselves. These are stories that we tell ourselves, and they're not true. They're false beliefs. They're beliefs. They're limiting beliefs, which I've talked about in episode number one. So if you feel like you're dealing with some negative thoughts and false beliefs, definitely go back and check that out because you have to be aware of something before you can start changing it. The other reason that nighttime eating can have far-reaching consequences that go far beyond weight gain and just feeling out of control as far as our eating habits is that when we eat at night, we're much more likely to see health problems and we're much more likely to gain weight in the midsection, which is really the most harmful type of weight gain that someone can have. We used to think that it didn't matter when someone ate, it only mattered how many calories they took in. But now, of course, there's more studies and more information, and we know that the body is least prepared to receive calories at night. So we actually break down and digest and metabolize calories that we eat at night 
differently than if we were to eat the same amount of calories earlier in the day. So there are numerous studies that show that there are two groups of people, same height, same weight, same gender, everything is the same, and they both are given the same diet with the same amount of calories and the same level of macronutrients and protein and fats and carbs and all of that good stuff. The only difference is that one group is eating that diet earlier in the day. They're eating the majority of that food earlier in the day for breakfast and lunch. And the other group is eating it in a more traditional way, if you will. They're eating a big dinner and a smaller lunch, and a lot of the calories are coming in at night. That group that eats later in the day gains more weight. They have more diabetes. They have more insulin resistance. They're more prone to heart attacks, and their blood pressure is way higher. So this shows us that timing of day does matter. It's not just about how you eat and how much you eat. It's about when you eat as well. So we want to be mindful of that because typically when someone eats at night, they're taking in a lot of calories. They're taking in foods that are not necessarily the best, right? So no one eats a salad after dinner when they're just looking for something to crunch on. We're going to go for things like pretzels and chips and maybe ice cream or things like that. So these, to begin with, are not the healthiest of foods. And to compound this, we're eating them at night when the body is least prepared to break it down. The body wants to shut down and kind of turn off digestion and turn off metabolism at night. It doesn't want to start doing all the work. So what ends up happening is that all of the food that we eat at night gets immediately stored as fat because the body doesn't want to break it down and use it for energy because we don't need energy at night, right? We're winding down. We're going to sleep. So the energy that we get from the food gets immediately stored in the warehouse, if you will, right? That's the reserves. Whenever we have extra in the system that the body doesn't need, it's going to send it off to be stored as fat because that's the way that we keep energy. That's how the body stores energy. It converts the calories into fat and The idea is that we're going to use that when we're famished. We're going to use it when we're starving, which we don't really anymore. This is kind of like something that's left over from Paleolithic times, from from ancient times where people had long periods of time when they were famished. There, There wasn't food. They needed to go kind of, you know, hunter gather and find that food and they could go days without eating. That's when those fat stores were helpful. But for the most part, we don't really deal with hunger and famine anymore. So it's something that used to serve a purpose, but it doesn't anymore. It actually does the opposite now. It causes more harm than good. So these are the two main reasons that if someone's dealing with nighttime eating, they should really make it a priority to work on it, to work on reducing it, or changing some of the behaviors that they're they're experiencing and practicing at night. Because again, the body and the mind are not benefiting from nighttime eating in the way that I described it before, just an uncontrolled intake of food, maybe a little bit of binging, maybe just a cycle of salty and sweet and snacking after dinner. This is where lots of calories can accumulate, and again, it just perpetuates a feeling of not being able to control oneself, not being able to stick with a plan, and also for the body, the accumulation of fat that happens with nighttime eating and the metabolic derangements that we see as a result of it are just making everything worse. They're making weight worse, they're making diabetes worse, and ultimately, this means that we're just getting farther and farther away from our goals. So now that we touched on why is this important, I want to talk a little bit about why nighttime eating happens 
and what are some of the reasons that you may find yourself eating at night on a regular basis. And I just want to clarify that we're talking about something that happens habitually, that happens on a regular basis every single day or most days of the week. If you find yourself getting a snack from the pantry one time a week or a couple nights a week, don't worry about it. Focus on the things that happen every single day that are making an impact for you and that you know are preventing you from seeing progress. If you know that nighttime eating is something that is preventing you from seeing results, and that it's a really big pain point for you, I'd like you to focus on it, and I'm going to give you the strategies to do so in today's episode. But let's first go into some of the reasons why someone could be eating at night, and where could that hunger at night be coming from? So there are a few reasons why this could be happening. The first one is really simple, and that could be true hunger. In some cases, I work with women who get really busy during the day and they just forget to eat. They're not feeling hungry or they just skip meals because of lack of time and they just end up finding themselves eating larger amounts of food later at night because their hunger kind of catches up to them. So they may not feel hungry when they're busy and doing work and doing all the things during the day, but then when they get home and they finally sit down, their hunger strikes and they really get, you know, they need to eat multiple things and their dinner is not satisfying them. They just keep on snacking all throughout the night. This is a very common pattern. It's a little bit of a vicious cycle because when people eat at night, we see that they tend to skip breakfast more because they're simply not hungry or they're not waking up feeling like they need to eat because they may have eaten up until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. So the body is just not hungry at that time and they don't feel the need to eat anything. But what happens is they can't get out of this cycle. So they don't eat breakfast. They maybe eat a small lunch or skip a lunch or have a small snack and then they end up eating again at night and this just continues on and on. It's a very common pattern. So someone could be truly hungry because they didn't eat all day. They may have over-restricted whether intentionally or not. Or they may have a schedule that just doesn't allow them to eat a lunch or they don't get a breakfast. They just skip meals on a regular basis and then they end up eating most of their food at night. And again, that's usually because they're truly hungry. They're physically hungry. They didn't get enough nourishment during the day. Another reason that someone could be eating at night if they didn't skip meals. So say you're not someone who skips meals. You actually eat three meals a day, but you still overeat at night. It could be that the composition of your meals is incorrect. So a lot of times people will experience poor blood sugar control, and that's usually related to eating too little protein or too little fat or both. And that's typically someone who eats on the go and unplanned. So for example, if you you find yourself eating a bagel with cream cheese in the morning and another type of sandwich for lunch, maybe a peanut butter jelly or, or a turkey sandwich, and maybe, or you have two slices of pizza for lunch, for example, and then some pretzels or chips as a snack or even fruit, that day doesn't have enough protein or enough healthy fat in order to sustain you. So you're likely going to experience cravings at night that are related to blood sugar. Your blood sugar is peaking and dropping during the day multiple times because the majority of that food is carbohydrate-based and it doesn't contain a lot of fiber or any protein or fat. So the peaks and valleys in blood sugar are going to cause cravings and they're going to cause intense hunger. Anytime that blood sugar drops, we're going to experience a craving and we're going to feel very, very hungry. That's because the brain sends hormones and messengers that trigger our appetite. So we're going to feel hungry, we're going to want to eat, and the reason is that the body is just trying to survive. It's trying to get that blood sugar back up again because 
low blood sugar is dangerous for the body. So anytime we eat something that's lacking protein, doesn't have a fat in it, or only has carbohydrates in it, for example, fruit is a good example of that because people usually think it's a healthy food, but actually, especially if you have PCOS, if you're not pairing that fruit with a fat or a protein, your blood sugar is gonna go up and then it's gonna dip back down again and it's gonna go relatively low and that's when a craving usually hits. So if your day is similar to what I described in terms of the foods that you're eating, I wouldn't be surprised if you're experiencing cravings at night or if you tend to overeat at night. It's usually related to the composition of your meals and to poor blood sugar control. So we spoke about two reasons why someone may eat at night. We talked about true hunger and then we talked about the composition of the meal, meaning how you put meals together as far as the protein, the fats, and the carbs not being in the correct ratios or the correct combinations. The last reason that someone may eat at night, and that's usually the most common, is just for emotional comfort and to get some sort of short-term gratification. So this is where usually our primitive brain kicks in, and when we get home, we just want to do something that's going to be soothing and relaxing, and for many women, that means food. When we think about unwinding and de-stressing, we often think about some comfort food or some sort of a snack, maybe a salty treat, maybe a sweet treat like ice cream or chocolate, or for some people, it may also be wine. And I do include that in this category of nighttime eating. If you're consuming three, four, five glasses of wine, I had a client the other day who told me that she drinks two bottles of wine every night. And she said, a bottle is only three glasses. So I do drink between four to six glasses of wine per night. So someone who's drinking that amount of wine or even three or four glasses at the most, that's a lot of empty calories that you're taking in at night. And that's definitely something that's going to be stored as fat and prevent you from seeing the results that you're looking for. You'll likely never be able to lose weight if you're drinking a significant amount of wine or any type of alcohol at night because that usually amounts to being more than a meal as far as calories. So you wanna be aware of that. And again, it's less about the calories, but about the quality, the kind of calories that you're taking in provide no value for your body. So again, when someone's looking for food or drinks to unwind at night, there's usually some emotional reason for that. And it's usually something that's not stemming from real hunger in our body. It's more head hunger. And it's usually happening when someone's trying to not think or feel or process a certain emotion or a certain event that feels uncomfortable. While this type of nighttime eating is the hardest to manage, it's a little bit challenging to break that habit because it's not something that developed overnight. We've been doing it for a while. If someone's eating at night for emotional reasons, it's usually something that's been progressing over time and happening over time, and it's very ingrained in them. But it is possible to change. You just need to do the work. I'm going to give you some strategies today that you can start implementing, and they do work. But they only work if you do them, if you practice them, if you get devoted to actually managing this on a regular basis and being very intentional about it. You can break the cycle of nighttime eating, even if it's done emotionally, even if you feel like it's something that you're compelled to do every single night. If you do something different, if you start implementing some strategies, you can definitely break that cycle. 
So let's dive into some of these strategies. And I'd like to recommend that you pick one or two that sound good to you that you think you can work through and just focus on those. I don't expect anyone to implement everything all at once. That's gonna be a little overwhelming. So just pick one or two things that you feel are right for you and your schedule and your lifestyle and go with those. That should be enough to get you started and seeing some progress. The first strategy I wanna talk about is called meal mapping. You're mapping out your meals for one single day. This is a great strategy if you have a problem sticking with a plan long-term and you're not someone who likes to commit or to plan ahead. In this strategy, what you're doing is you're mapping your meals for the next day on a piece of paper or in an app, and all you're doing is just trying to stick with the plan that you set for the day. So it's a short-term commitment. All you have to do is show up and follow the simple plan that you have created for yourself the night before. Now, here's the thing. You can put anything you want on that plan. You can have chocolate cake on the plan if that's what you wanna eat, but I want you to make a point to sticking with things that are on the plan and not eating anything that's not on the plan. So don't create a plan that you can't stick with. Be realistic about it, put things on the plan that you know that you wanna eat, and make sure that you include some indulgences, things that you may be eating at night. I want you to write those down ahead of time. Here's what's gonna happen. Once you're gaining that awareness and that insight into actually what you'll be eating, you may change your choices. So writing out that plan is giving you an opportunity to really think about it, to really think about the foods that you're including, and hopefully over time, you're going to modify those choices and try to input more healthy things as well as some indulgences, but the bulk of it is going to be the real good healthy stuff that you know your body needs in order to heal, in order to lose weight. So it's really a powerful exercise, and the most important thing about it is that you're sticking with your plan. This is gonna help you regain confidence in yourself. You're gonna see that you're able to do something and to actually follow through, and that's gonna be very powerful on an emotional level because you're gonna be keeping your own word, you're gonna be saying to yourself that you're gonna do something and then actually follow through and do it, And you're going to regain that confidence that you're capable, you're worthy, and there's nothing that you can't do if you put your mind to it. So creating that plan can be very powerful. But remember, it's very simple. You're mapping out your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And if something's on the plan, you're going to eat it. If it's not on the plan, you're not going to be eating it. And remember, you're gonna be creating a new meal plan the following day, so it's a very short-term commitment. I want you to be able to do something for one day and see how it worked. If it was good, you can do it again. But if you didn't feel good, make a different plan and see how that works. So meal mapping is very powerful, and that's step number one. And ideally, you'd be doing it not as you go along. So this is very different than tracking. The point of this is not to see what you eat and to make sure that it's good and balanced. The point of this is to make sure that you're following a certain plan, that you're sticking with your own word, and that you're able to think about your food ahead of time and do a little bit of planning. So this is not about counting anything or portion control or any of that stuff. This is just about being aware, making a plan, and sticking with it the best way that you can. Strategy number two is having some of the crave food earlier in the day. This is a really powerful strategy as well. What happens here is that you're giving yourself permission to eat whatever that crave food is that you're currently eating at night 
but having it earlier in the day where you have more control, where you're able to make better decisions as far as how much to eat and how you're eating it. So if you eat chocolate every single night or cookies, I want you to tell yourself, I'm going to be eating the same chocolate or the same cookie or the same chip, but I'm going to have it after lunch. And I'm going to put it on a plate and I'm going to be super mindful and sit down and eating, eat it slowly and I'm going to really enjoy it. That's going to relieve some of that tension. That's going to reduce the kind of forbidden food halo of those crave foods, okay? So I want you to give yourself permission and not feel like you're constantly in this battle of, I really want chocolate, but I shouldn't have it, or I really need to restrict this, or this is not part of my plan. You can give yourself permission to include any food as part of your plan as long as you introduce it at a time where you feel in control. Oftentimes, nighttime is not that kind of time for most people. So if you do it after lunch or even between breakfast and lunch and you wanted to have two little cookies and feel satisfied and feel like you've had a, a, a little bit of an indulgence, that's okay. You can do that. But I would highly recommend that you pre-plan that. You put that on your plan like we just talked about. You have it earlier in the day where you have more control and you do so mindfully. You eat it with intention and you're not just kind of stealing a cookie or doing something in almost like in hiding. A lot of people, when they eat at night, they eat almost in hiding. They eat when nobody's seeing them, they eat in the dark, or they eat really quickly. That's not a way to enjoy an indulgent food. If you're going to do it, do it mindfully, be intentional about it, have it as part of your plan, and enjoy it. The next strategy, strategy number three, goes back to the composition of meals. Many times people feel the peak of their hunger when they get home and then they end up eating more food while they're cooking dinner than their actual dinner. So they eat an entire dinner's worth of food before they actually sit down to eat. So in order to prevent this, one of the things that I usually recommend is to have a fat or protein-based snack as soon as you arrive home ideally in the car or on the train or on your way home so that you're preemptively preventing that crash or that excessive hunger that we tend to feel as soon as we walk in. So a protein-based snack could be something like a Greek yogurt, a hard-boiled egg, or a fat-based snack could be something like an ounce of nuts or a quarter cup of pumpkin or sunflower seeds, for example. So this is pretty straightforward. I'm not gonna elaborate on it because you can do this any time of the day. Ideally, you would time it strategically before about 45 minutes to an hour before the time that you get most hungry. That's gonna really help manage your appetite a little bit better so that you don't get those extreme hunger spells or cravings. So these are some important things you can do as far as the food and meals and timing. Let's move into talking about a more emotionally based nighttime eating routine and what you can do about that. When I work with clients, I teach them a three-step process called the gut check. And this is a great place to start if you're dealing with emotional eating at night because it can really help unravel some of the things that are happening under the surface and maybe what are some of the thoughts and emotions and feelings that are causing you to eat. And you have to be aware of something before you can start changing it. So this is an awareness process. And the first step of it is getting in the habit of pausing. Anytime that you feel the urge to eat at night, you want to take an intentional pause for about three to five minutes, which is going to seem like eternity, but it actually gets better over time. You're not going to feel as uncomfortable if you do this on an ongoing basis. So within a week or 10 days of doing it, 
you should feel a whole lot different. What you can do in that time is just sit and be, and I'm going to talk about that. But a lot of people like to start with just sipping on herbal tea, maybe spearmint tea or chamomile tea, or doing some breath work for about the three to five minutes that you're pausing. So breathing work could be anything like deep breaths to progressive muscle relaxation for those of you who are familiar with that. And you can even Google that or look up on, look it up on YouTube. You can follow a mindful breathing exercise. You don't have to be a yogi or know about meditation to do this. Anybody could do it. We all know how to breathe. We just need to follow some instructions to do that in a more mindful and deep way. So breathwork is scientifically proving to be effective for relaxation and de-stressing. You just want to do it the right way. And you definitely want to make sure that you're taking that three to five minute pause because that can really help diffuse a binge. Anytime that we're eating impulsively, there's very little time between when we're thinking about food and when that food is already in our mouth. If you insert that pause, you're going to see a big difference over time because you're now going to allow your brain to catch up. You're not going to be as impulsive. You're going to do a little bit of relaxation and maybe that wave of emotion that was coming over you is going to subside a little bit and you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable and make a better decision. So the first step in the gut check is getting in the habit of pausing. The second thing that I want you to do is get used to asking better questions. And this is where journaling can really become effective and come in handy because you could be jotting down these questions in your journal. So you don't necessarily have to answer them fully, but you want to just kind of brainstorm and find out what are some of the questions that make you feel more empowered more confident that you can get through the night without eating and make sure that you're not running to food to manage emotions, that you're not eating your feelings. So some of the questions that you could be asking yourself, so instead of asking something like, why do I have no control? Or why is this so hard? Or why can't I figure this out? I want you to ask yourself things like, if I did conquer emotional eating, what would I do instead? How can I respect my body now without turning to food? What are some of the acts or habits or practices that are in alignment with my goals? This is a really important one because if you're not acting in ways that support your goals, you're going to get more of what you don't want. If you keep saying that you want to lose weight and feel better and love yourself more and feel truly happy, but then you continue to engage in the same behaviors that cause frustration and that are not serving you, you're going to get more of what you don't want. So these two things are not in alignment. Your actions and your thoughts and desires and goals should all be congruent with each other. So I want you to get in the habit of writing these, these thoughts down in a journal. And sometimes what I have people do is they'll divide a page into two sides. And on one side, they ask the negative questions, the stuff that's going through their head And then on the other side, they're going to flip it. So this is something that you can call flipping your flaws, right? So if you say, I'm weak, or I have no control, or I'm a failure, on the other side of that page, I want you to write something positive about yourself. How can you flip your flaws and reap benefit from them? How could you be seeing yourself in a better place? What would you do? What would you be like? What would life be like if you did get over this, if you did conquer emotional eating? 
What would it look like? These are all things that you want to flesh out on paper because it does help. Your brain gets used to favoring those positive affirmations, if you will, those positive thoughts and those better questions. And over time, you're not going to go down the negative path anymore. Your brain is going to immediately gravitate toward the positive thinking. So far, we spoke about journaling and we spoke about adding a pause. Let's talk a little bit about language and self-compassion. This is step number three, where I want you to really rephrase a lot of the things that you say to yourself and practice some self-compassion. In addition to this, I always encourage my clients to step out of victim mentality. And I did an entire episode about the weight loss mindset. It's episode number 18, where I spoke about owning your choices. And this is a big part of making sure that you're not eating emotionally, is really owning up and saying, here I am, I've made this decision, I know it's not the right one for me, but I'm owning up to it, and here's what I can do to change it. You have to be aware that what you're doing is your own choice, your own decision, and you can flip that and use that same decision power to make positive decisions. So instead of saying, I can't eat cookies or I shouldn't be eating cake, you want to rephrase it. You want to use different language and say, I am choosing to not eat cake because it doesn't serve my body. Or I've made a decision to eat healthy foods because I can and I want to, not because I have to. You will see how powerful that shift is because it reduces the tension in your brain and in your body. Once you've decided you're doing something not because you have to, but because you want to and you choose to, that's a whole other ballgame. You're now in control, you're now empowered, and you're now making decisions based on what your goals are. Not based on what you want right now in this moment, which could be chocolate or cake, but what you want in five years what you want in five months, what you want in a year from now. You're looking into the future and you're making a decision right now that's gonna feel really good at that time. The first step is owning your decisions. So you wanna go back to episode number 18 where I spoke about owning up to your food choices and taking responsibility for those decisions. And after you do that, I want you to practice better language. I want you to practice more powerful, more self-compassionate, more empowering language. And that's gonna be things like, I choose to, I've decided to, this is what I want, as opposed to, oh, I can't have this or I can't have that, which feeds more into a victim mentality. You wanna flip that. You wanna be powerful, you wanna be in charge, and you wanna make decisions that are gonna feel good and support your big goals. That's how you can truly conquer emotional eating and nighttime eating specifically and see progress. So I want you to practice the gut check, which has the pause, the journaling, and the flipping of the language into a more positive, more empowering lingo that you can actually feel good about and not feel like a victim with. And then I want you to also try to practice some of the more meal plans and the food strategies that I shared with you earlier in this episode. I hope you found today's episode inspiring and helpful. I would love to work with you and help you reach your big goals before this year ends. So you can email me at daphna at daphnachazen.com or find me on social media and leave me a comment or a message and I'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time, take good care of your body and I will see you soon. Bye for now.